Whether this is her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct is everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct, your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Two lovers forbidden to marry by their families, forced to date in secret. If you think this sounds familiar, that's not what we're talking about. We are talking about Ali and Zakia, an Afghan couple that risked everything for their love. And today, we're going to hear the real story behind the reported story. I'm Sarah Wendell. I'm Alicia Rai. Welcome to Love Struck Daily, where we bring a love story to your ears every single day. I'm a firm believer in the happiness and the general support of being in love with someone and how that can overcome mm-hmm. a lot of problems and a lot of issues. But I think we also have to acknowledge that cultural differences can create big differences between people. Oh, yeah. Big time. Big time. I mean, I experienced that because I converted to Judaism. So I mm-hmm. am raising Jewish children. I have a Jewish household. I did not grow mm-hmm. up with either of those things. I did not have a Jewish childhood and I did mm-hmm. not grow up in a Jewish home. So the way in which Adam and I approach being Jewish is informed by both of us. It would be very easy yeah completely against my personality, but very easy to be like, you're in charge of all of the Jewish stuff. I will just do whatever Mm -hmm. you say. Again, not my personality at all. So I am in an intercultural relationship as well. Um, Kai is Liberian American. He was born here, but his parents are from Liberia and I am Indian American. And so uh, we're both 
you're first generation Americans and and we do find that we have a lot more similarities than we have differences. Like we, you know, grew up in very different places and our parents are very different, but at the same time, a lot of our cultural contexts are the same. You know, the things that I struggled with in school, he also struggled with in school because he was different and I felt different. And, you know, so it's, it's a little odd because now we're in a different culture than the ones that our parents were raised in completely. And I wonder how things will be for our kids. Like, I don't know what, what it'll be like for them and what, but, but we do try very hard to incorporate both cultures. And as we're planning the wedding, we're trying very hard to incorporate both cultures. But yeah, it's, it's interesting how sometimes you have more similarities and differences. It's really interesting. Yeah. And that when you are, when your foundational goal is, I want to work this out with you together. You find mm-hmm. a way to not just compromise, but to blend and merge and highlight and accentuate yeah. and, and and reinvent things that are traditionally important to you. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But it's all about figuring out the way forward, right? Yeah. It's all about figuring it out for yourself, for your families, for your cultures. Yep. Yeah. We were recently brought a story from journalist Rod Norland, who reported from his Western perspective on a couple in Afghanistan, two people who fell deeply in love, but were forbidden to marry by their families and by their culture. When we first read this story, we sort of took it at face value because, hey, journalism, that's how it works. You read it and you think, oh, okay. But we were curious to learn the real story behind the headlines. So here to shed light on this romance is Dr. Bahar Jalali. Dr. Jalali is a professor of modern Middle Eastern history at Loyola University, and her area of expertise is modernization and women's rights in the 20th century under the old regime. Please welcome Dr. Jalali. Thank you so much for joining us, Dr. Jalali. We're very excited to have you. Thank you. We we came across the story and we wanted to speak to somebody who, you know, might know a little bit more about it. Can you give us just a brief rundown of your academic areas? Sure. Um, so I have a PhD in Near Eastern Studies, and I focus specifically on the modern history of Afghanistan. And I worked at the American University of Afghanistan uh, for about uh, eight and a half years, from 2009 to 2017. I founded a first gender studies program in Afghanistan. So um, I do specialize a lot on women and gender in the Middle East, uh, history of the modern Middle East, and specifically the history of Afghanistan. Amazing. Wow. That's quite a list of accomplishments. For listeners who may not have a lot of intimate knowledge about this story, can you tell us the major parts of the story not through the Romeo and Juliet lens, like just how how you might relate it to somebody? Sure. So this is a love story between, uh, you know, a man and a woman in rural Afghanistan, in the central part of Afghanistan, um, Zakia, uh, the woman, and Ali, the man. And they come from different ethnic groups. Uh, Zakia's a Tajik, Ali's a Hazara. And Hazaras are an ethnic group in Afghanistan that have historically been marginalized. They face mm. a lot of oppression and discrimination uh, by the Afghan government historically. Uh, but also uh, these two, uh, this couple who fall in love, 
love, they don't just uh, happen to come from different ethnic groups. They ha- come from two different sects of Islam. Mm. Uh, Hazaras are uh, overwhelmingly Shia Muslims, which is uh, the minority sect of Islam. And Zakia is a Sunni Muslim, which is the majority sect of Islam. So uh, the reason why uh, Rod Norland, uh, the writer, uh, chose to dub this as a Romeo and Juliet is because, you know, they come from different ethnic groups. They come from two different sects of Islam. But it's a lot more complicated than how it's presented in the sense that uh, they're from a rural community where ethnic divides, Mm -hmm. sectarian divides are a lot more pronounced than you would have in a town uh, or or city setting. So that's something that really, uh, you know, is not captured uh, in the story. It's also important to remember that Afghanistan is a country at war for 44 years. So you've had a lot of social disruptions. The overwhelming majority of the urbanites have fled the country in waves and waves of migrations. And in the cities, when Zakia and Ali fall in love, their parents forbid it uh, and they have to run off. You know, it's an illicit love affair. And uh, in Rod Norland's story, there's a lot of almost all the emphasis placed on their ethnic and religious backgrounds, when in fact, in Afghanistan, uh, falling in love or wanting to marry for love has historically been something taboo for all mm-hmm. ethnic groups. Wow. Uh, typically, yeah, like, like having a love marriage is yeah. considered an anomaly. Yeah. So, you know, Zakia and Ali uh, are living in central Afghanistan. They're young. They encounter each other. You know, they cast eyes on each other on a farm. Uh, And, you know, the way that courtship works in Afghanistan is that you don't date and you don't go to the movies. You know, sometimes you just happen to see somebody and you you become physically attracted to them. Mm -hmm. And the only way to really express your interest in someone is maybe to write them a letter or to, you know, secretly pass a note or to... And I think that in this case, uh, Ali um, wrote his phone number uh, on a piece of paper and slipped it uh, to Zakia, and she was smitten. Mm -hmm. But dating in the Afghan context is very different from what it is and, you know, how we see it in the U.S. It's uh, dating might be exchanging letters secretly, uh, trying to maybe sneak in a phone call conversation. And I do believe that they, they started talking, they started talking on the phone. So in addition to all of the other restrictions on dating, you know, wanting to marry somebody outside of your community is is, is really much, much harder. And with Ali being a, a Hazara, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a, a group, a community that has historically been really, really marginalized, uh, there's oftentimes there was not always a lot of intermarriage with other ethnic groups. So it's not so much of a Romeo and Juliet story in that their their families want to kill each other mm-hmm. and they're they're warring with each other. Uh, that's that's really not what's going on. Ethnic identity is fluid. And people have multiple identities. Uh, it's just really that in this rural context, in this rural community, uh, falling in love can be dangerous mm-hmm. uh, uh, because families typically want to choose uh, the, uh, the partners. Uh, you know, they want to choose their children's uh, spouses. Uh, and that's what not that's and these this couple has something else in mind. They they mm-hmm. want to fall in love, so th- they would not be getting any support from their communities mm-hmm. uh, much at all if they do decide. And then they, then they they decide to elope and run away, right? Right. Ooh, that's hard. It is hard because this couple uh, is dealing with a lot of obstacles. One, they're in a rural environment, which is much more conservative than the cities. Uh, and the fact that they happen to come from different ethnicities and different religious sects further multiplies that uh, those, those those obstacles. And fourth, they're falling in love. Right. 
right? You're not supposed to fall in love. You're supposed to, your dad or mom mm-hmm. picks out your husband or wife. Uh, that just, you know, so mm-hmm. there's a lot, you know, there's a lot of, against them. I bet you're smart. Yeah, and you like to hold your own in the group chat. We can help you drop even more knowledge. My name is Martine Powers. And I'm Elahe Izadi. We host a daily news podcast called Post Reports. Every weekday afternoon, Post Reports takes you inside an important and interesting story with the kind of reporting that you can only get from The Washington Post. You can listen to Post Reports wherever you get your podcasts. Go find it now and hit follow. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. Hey, girlfriends, it's me, Carol Fisher. I'm so excited to tell you about the brand new series of The Girlfriends. In season one, we told you about the murder of Gail Katz at the hands of my ex-boyfriend, Bob. At one point, a woman's torso washed up on Staten Island and was misidentified as Gail. She spent nine years in Gail's grave, and then she just disappeared. It's almost like it's become this moral obligation to find her. And that's what we're going to do. Find this missing girlfriend and tell her story. With the help of some of your favorite girlfriends from season one, like my producer, Anna. Oh, my God. My friend, Dr. Mindy Shapiro. Hi, it's Dr. Shapiro, and I'd like to speak with the deputy medical examiner. And, of course, Gail's sister, Elaine Katz. Having no closure, it kills you. Join us as we try to solve a 35-year-old cold case. It's not going to be easy, but it's going to be one hell of a ride. (gasps) What? I can't believe this. Listen to season two of The Girlfriends, Our Lost Sister on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. But it's not really a Romeo and Juliet story because it's the focus isn't the fact that they're, um, you know, their communities want to kill each other. It's that in each community is targeting this one individual member for really going outside of what the community wants for them. Right. Mm-hmm. And that context is really not right. captured in the story presented by Rod Norland. Especially if you're if you're running away from from your family and you're in a rural setting you're eliminating all of your support. 
Absolutely. And community, and this is this is not an individualistic society, right? No, not at all. This is a very collective society yeah. where honor, a woman's honor, right? I mean, you know, in Afghanistan, you have honor crimes, like in other parts of the Middle East and Muslim world, you know, sometimes even in the Western societies, people from those areas, you know, they sometimes murder their daughters for very minor things with no evidence. Mm-hmm. Uh, even a flimsy accusation, uh, completely baseless, could really land a girl in trouble. Now, in 2015, I visited the women's prison in Kabul to interview girls who had run away from home, which is, according to the Afghan penal code, not a crime. Mm -hmm. But the overwhelming majority of those girls who had run away from home uh, were not, were, did it because they were resisting the marriage of you know forced marriages that their parents had chosen for them. Wow. So the real story in the Zakia and Ali or this Romeo and Juliet story is like you know the gender mm-hmm. dynamics are lost. Uh, you know uh, Zakia is actually mm-hmm. risking everything, as you mentioned, the the support, the, com- the you know the community support, her social standing, pr- you know basically protection. I mean, and so that's what this couple did, and they eloped, and now they have a daughter. And all of a sudden, uh, it became a a big story and people wanted to come and help them. The story of Zakia and Ali, a couple from rural Afghanistan, is presented as representative of the entire country. Mm -hmm. And and, and that's something that's very problematic in this story. Mm -hmm. This is not a Romeo and Juliet story. And I think labeling it as Romeo and Juliet is in some ways seems to kind of sensationalize it for what and make it appealing for Western audiences. Mm -hmm. Uh, Like this is something that, oh, it's, you know, this would never happen. And let's try to save this couple. You know, here's the West coming to rescue them. And uh, it's extremely uh, short-sighted in a lot of ways. Wow. Yeah. Did you, did you see the press around this when it came out? I did. You know, it got a lot of publicity. And unfortunately, uh, not only is the story full of all kinds of inaccuracies, but it can really distort the image of Afghanistan as this Mm -hmm. backward, isolated hermit kingdom where love is dangerous. It's not. Yeah. Uh, my parents dated before they got married. They fell in love. They're from, they, they didn't, their families didn't know each other. Um, so for, for those of us who come from a different kind of Afghanistan, uh, it's very problematic for a story like this to be portrayed in, in the global media as really just a standard, uh, love story. Mm-hmm. Uh, and uh, that's why context is very, very important. And, you know, I really question Rod Norland's, uh, uh, you know, goal in, in, in wanting to portray it as, 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 as Romeo and, and Juliet. And even in the book that he wrote about it, right, he keeps using the word backward all the time. Oh, God. Uh, yeah. It's so it's like it's full of Orientalist tropes. Mm. Uh, and, you know, but it's not it, it, he's not the only one who did that. Right. It, right. it, it became very, quite standard. Just like any other country, there is not one Afghanistan. There's many. Mm. In India, we have uh, certain Bollywood movies that are extremely popular, been running for 20 years in theaters. And those are like cultural touchstones of romance, you know, for, for a lot of us who grew up with them. Is there anything like that held up as an ideal for Afghans as, as sort of a shared language almost? Things that maybe they grew up with that it formed into their conscious culture. It's interesting you happen to mention Bollywood because Afghans love Bollywood. 
I think those types of stories that you found in the 1970s, so many Afghans do have arranged marriages that mm-hmm. I think those Bollywood films were kind of like their, you know, escape from reality. Yeah, it was like a similar fantasy land. Right. Similar cultures, but but sim- similar fantasies probably as well. Or, yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Uh, having a love marriage was like a fantasy. So for yeah. a lot of people, it, it, it may not have been film, but, you know, a lot of people like Rod Norlinson who did end up marrying somebody that their family chose mm-hmm. and, and and they didn't choose they would spend the rest of their lives dreaming yeah. about their long lost love yeah. it's it's so interesting you say that because a popular bollywood conceit is a courtyard romance where two people are on opposite balconies and they talk across the courtyard and when i moved into my condo in los angeles i have a courtyard you know and there's balconies and my mom her immediate first thought was oh maybe you'll go out on the balcony and you'll lock eyes with someone across the way and i was like we don't have to do that anymore we can just i can just go talk to them and we can see Mm. (laughs) as we as we close up i'm just curious how would you suggest listeners view this story? Uh, you know, is it is it a rom? Is there any is there any hint of romance in this, or is it two people who just made a choice, a risky choice? Um, there's absolutely romance in it, uh, but I think that you know, uh, romance in the Afghan context often is just kind of like love at first sight. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like you f- you look at someone, you you become physically attracted to them, and then that's kind of interpreted as like love and genuine love because people don't have the opportunity to date. And courtship in Afghanistan is very different from how it's seen in the West. People don't really have time to spend lots of time together, travel together, live together, and really get to know each other as human beings. Yeah. And romance has really become something limited to just physical attraction. Yeah. And also the excitement of, uh, you know, uh, violating these social boundaries yeah. of, of being able to talk to someone you normally wouldn't be able to talk to. So that context is very, very important. But yes, I mean, romance is something universal and human and of course there's an element of that in it but I think that Afghan couples because there's such a you know it's not there's so many restrictions Mm -hmm. on dating and courtship it's important to look at romance in in, in such a society as uh, something unique to that particular society yeah and unique to that particular couple maybe yes and unique to that particular couple yeah yeah and, and, and yeah everybody is different but thank you so much doctor for coming on and talking to us this has been enlightening and and really educational and thank you for coming on and, and speaking with us my pleasure thank you for having me wow sarah that was so educational and informative i just want to talk to dr jalali about everything I'd like to audit that class. <laughs> I would like to hear her opinions on literally everything. It was so good. What is your love to go for today? Love has nuance. Mm-hmm. It's very easy, I think, especially with a steady diet of romance from Western media to think happily ever after wedding. Boom, you're done. But love and relationships yeah. have nuance and it's OK to explore and talk about the nuance beyond the headlines of what is generally treated as the love story. And I'm really, really pleased that through Jesse's work, finding Dr. Jalali and connecting us, we were able to find out more than the initial story. I feel really honored to have learned all about this today. Yeah, cultural nuance, individual nuance, it's it's all in there. Yep. Yeah, for sure. Listeners, we have big news, don't we, Alicia? We do. Well, it's big news for me. <laughs> 
right. I'm a little excited, too. Come oh, you're on, a little excited, too. You're a little excited. But we have, coming up on the show, Danielle from Season 2 of Love is Blind, and we're really excited about it. We would love to know what you would like us to ask her. If you have any burning questions for a cast member of Love is Blind, please send them our way. If you've got questions, we want to add them to our show because we are so excited to talk to Danielle. Our researcher is Jesse Epstein. Our editor is Jen Jacobs. We are produced by Abigail Steckler and Little Scorpion Studios with executive producer Frolic Media. This is an iHeartRadio podcast. We wish you a very happily ever after with nuance.